0: Here comes Schofield! Oh! Yes, Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. You can do it! Penetration taken away by Hagen. Williams lobs it up. Oh! The slam! Jordan Bowden
1: on a rock attack!
0: Well, I, I do like lanes. That's what she said. Williams draws the double, hesitates.
2: Extra feed. Oh, look it! That's a man's jam! Admiral Schofield! Boom! Hey! I love you! What? Nothing! Second thing!
1: Get yourself! You're my friend!
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, knocking off some rust time. Haven't been doing a Govols twenty four seven podcast in a wild time. Hey, Memphis Grizzlies got the number two pick time. Baseball postseason time, for college time, whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Govols twenty four seven podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey, Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, dropping this to you on a Thursday afternoon, recording it on a Thursday morning. So it's still certified organic fresh, I think, at that point.
2: It's also Austin Riley time. Am I right, Grant? Ooh, I should have
0: said that. See, Senior. I should have said that. Congratulations. Uh, Happy Austin Riley Day to all Atlanta Braves fans. He's been out there. Hit his first tater. Good for him. We don't need your well wishes. First of how many did you say, Pat? 800? Is that what you said?
2: Uh, That's a low estimate. Little, what's th- the floor I'm
0: thinking Barry Bonds the ceiling
2: is the floor I'm thinking Barry Bonds plus about 50 maybe well you know he is he is a Memphian that is true
0: is he as Memphian as Ja Morant te- te- is te-
2: yet? technically he's from South Haven but South Haven is basically it's basically Memphis uh, yeah that is don't air me it on is. Memphis geography it's like if Farragut were in a different state uh, pretty close uh, well, actually, Southampton's probably closer to downtown Memphis than uh, the period is to downtown Knoxville, but that's neither here nor there.
1: This podcast is 30 seconds old, and it's already off the rails.
2: Yes, uh, Grizzlies are getting John Morant. I couldn't be happier. I, don't even, I didn't even want Zion. That's kind of a lie, but... <laughs> <laughs> Zion? Who's that? I don't even know who that is. Uh, just, you,
0: Zion? Zion. What, what? I don't even know how to say it.
2: What is it? Uh, I definitely gave out a little shriek when the third envelope had the Knicks on it. And I was like, oh, they're getting Zion or Ja. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> that's that's it's not a bad that's not a bad get. This
2: is what All happens right. when you invite me to the basketball podcast.
0: And as you, if you couldn't tell from the intro, and you couldn't tell from what Pat just gave away, we are talking a little Tennessee <laughs> basketball today. And uh, speaking of Zion Williamson, uh, he might be joined by a couple of Tennessee Volunteers there in the first round. Looks like, uh, and I think this is interesting. We've seen, I don't want to say most Grant, but I, I think we've seen several, uh, several sites now projections say that they think Grant Williams is going in the first round. It's no longer a a minority opinion. I'd say a majority still probably feel that way. Um, but it looks like now, uh, if he goes in the first round, as most people are thinking he is, um, we might just be a couple days away now from, from Grant Williams, telling everyone that he is no longer a Tennessee volunteer, Grant. Or, or have we reached that possibility now?
1: Yeah, there were uh, – he, he talked to Andy Katz and Allie LaForce um, for NBA TV a couple of days ago, like a Monday or Tuesday this week. He talked to other people, stadium, kind of some of the other uh, major media outlets out there, and, and it kept pointing to Saturday. Uh, there's no real reason for him to set a deadline or anything like that, but it seems like Saturday is the day for him to – uh, kind of declare something publicly and he, it's based on the the feedback he's getting uh, these three four days however long he's been in Chicago for the NBA draft combine obviously talking to a lot of franchises and and seeing where everybody stands on uh, if they're interested in him and where they would take him and and whatever and and he'll decide from there but uh, it's to the point where I'd be surprised if he's back uh, if he does come back obviously that would be a huge huge uh, kind of program, season-changing announcement, obviously, but uh, I would be surprised if it happens at this point.
0: Yeah, uh, and I bet you've heard more than I have because I just spent about five days in Brooklyn uh, going through the things you normally go through when you're at a best friend's wedding, so it's not like I was uh, burning my phone off the hook trying to get some of this stuff. But from what I can tell right now at this point, and I know I've been a guy who's been saying now for a little while that don't be surprised if Grant Williams comes back. At this point, as of Thursday morning, going to record this Thursday morning, drop it Thursday afternoon. As of that point, this point, I do believe that uh, I am firmly in the camp of believing that he's going to declare now and stay in the draft. Uh, We'll see. I'm not ruling it out. I've seen crazier things happen. You know, a lot of people said there was no way Peyton Manning was coming back. So uh, there's always a possibility there. Uh, I think Grant Williams is an interesting kind of kid in that way. But I am now more in the camp of thinking – that He goes so we'll talk a little bit about that and what it means for Tennessee basketball or what it would mean for Tennessee basketball. But before we do that, I think we should say that uh, my guy Gary Parrish, uh, our, our co-worker sort of our co-worker works for CBS sports.com known Gary for a long time uh, good at what he does and he now has Admiral Schofield going off the board before Grant Williams does which I don't think a lot of people would have uh, projected going into this process, but He's got him sitting right there going 23 overall to the Utah Jazz. Uh, It seems to me like uh, Gary's probably not just guessing there. He's probably heard something to make him at least think that's possible. Uh, It sounds like maybe Admiral Schofield's doing his job in workouts and such.
1: Yeah, Admiral's kind of a guy that gets lost in all this because you're trying to figure out what's going on with Grant, what he's going to decide, who he's hearing from, or what the feedback he is he's getting. Uh, But Admiral, obviously, you're a senior, you're in this thing for good, uh, and, and being a if he does sneak in the first round, that would be huge. Uh, just, the, just the thought that Tennessee could have two first-rounders, just people sitting here on May uh, whatever it is, 16th talking about the possibility of Tennessee having two first-rounders. I mean, even uh, Sports Illustrated did one, a mock draft yesterday. Uh, nobody in the first round for Tennessee, but they had three second-rounders mm-hmm. in Grant, Admiral, and uh, Jordan Bone going to the Pelicans of all places to play with Zion. So that was super interesting, but just the fact that you're sitting at this uh, at this point with three players at the combine, three players that could get drafted based on where they came from to where they are today, it's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, and, and then another one in Kyle Alexander who could get some shots somewhere in a camp or could get a tryout somewhere. So,
1: and it's weird he didn't get tra- he didn't get the G League combine invite, yeah. but he is getting some workouts with like Charlotte, and Atlanta, those kind of teams. Yeah, it, it, it
0: probably goes to show sort of some of the things that we've heard about him for a while now, which is that teams are all over the board on him. You know, some teams are interested. Some teams don't even have him on their radar. And you're hearing the same kind of things from Jordan Bone, which I think is interesting because I would have thought that the more Jordan Bone does workouts and the more teams watch him, I would think the more teams are going to like him uh, because of all the things that he does, his athleticism, the way that he can now see the court, uh, the way his games opened up in that way. I see a lot of possibilities there. But I thought what was interesting about that that SI mock draft that you're referencing right there, Grant, is that it's got Grant Williams going off the board in the second round. And if Grant Williams is not ninety nine percent certain he's going in the first round, I think he takes his name out of the draft. This
1: is thirty two to Phoenix. FYI. Yeah. I I mean what you're looking for when you're talking to these teams, he knows kind of the area where he could be drafted. He probably has a yeah. a ceiling in mind and a floor in mind. And what you want to hear from a team is if you're available at this spot, we're taking you. And if that's a team in the 20s that's telling him that, uh, or multiple teams in the 20s he's telling that, he needs to be gone. Yes. He needs to go be a first-round pick, start his pro career, uh, and go on. If he is a second-round pick, if he doesn't get that kind of promise, then you got something to think about. Because he he could keep his name in the draft through draft night, through the completion of the draft. And if he went undrafted, come back, but he's not going to go undrafted. Uh, if he's if he's there in the second round somebody's gonna take a chance on him uh pretty high in the second round but that's the feedback he's got to get from somebody is if you're available here we're taking you
0: yeah and and pat for for people who don't watch the nBA as much as you do what what would you describe the difference in being a first round, second round draft pick. I think you've seen more <clears throat> second round draft picks have an impact in recent years, but for a while there was almost a kiss
2: of death. It seemed like unless you went like in the first 38, um, 39, 40 picks. <clears throat> well, really the, the, I don't want to say the kiss of death, but it, it, there's been, I don't feel like there's been a lot of fourth year college players that have gotten drafted. Yeah. Um, but we saw that, I mean, Jordan McCray was one of them. Um, so for Admiral Schofield and, and Kyle Alexander, that that's interesting. Because uh, the NBA is a lot on potential. And if you are, you know, if you're coming out of college after a four year your career, you're, you're usually what, 21, 22? Usually. Um, There's whereas, some tread off the tires. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you got guys like, um, you know, some guys, if, if you're 19 or younger, uh, depending on if you're like a one and done guy. So, um, but with, um, i'm sorry what did you ask me
0: no just the difference in, in oh a- oh uh
2: well i think i think first round if you if you're a first round pick your contract is guaranteed yes. um if you're a second round pick uh the second round of the nba draft once you get past like the first five to ten picks is just like a it's a crapshoot i mean a lot, you got guys that are drafting european guys that probably won't come over or at least that's how it's been for a long time um
1: who was it last year? Took Giannis's brother just because he's Giannis's brother. Yeah, yeah like I mean, the last I, I can't.
2: I can't. You know, there, who knows how many players have been drafted in the second round within the last fifteen picks that have never. The, spur, even, the, spur, the Spurs have been over good. And, the Spurs have been good about kind of drafting um, and then and then stalking for a couple years. But I mean, like you know, Draymond Green was a second round pick. Uh, I mean, I mean it, Josh it was,
1: Richardson was yeah 40th overall, and that's kind of the it, ar- it, area it, that Admiral's been projected. It, it, and
2: McCray was. He was even later, wasn't he? Right. He's, you know, he he's had a sort of, I don't say journeyman career, but I mean, he's he's bounced around from a couple different places, played in the G League, played in Australia, and he's ten day contracts, ten day contracts with teams, and he's he's still technically in the NBA because he's with the Wizards right now. So, and I
0: did hear there was a guy in the NBA who told me last week that that there's only one reason McCray has not stuck full time in the NBA, and that is that there are still some questions people have about his attitude, which is. You know, basically what I've heard is the number one reason why. They said because he's a scorer. They said everyone knows he can put the ball in the bucket. Everyone knows that he can do that. But anyone who knows Jordy McRae also knows that he's kind of got that that short fuse. And uh, there are people that wonder, you know, could a guy like that be that successful if he's not going to be like a 22-point-per-game scorer in the NBA or anything like that? You know, what would that be like in a, in a, in a locker room, which I – don't necessarily agree with because I, I know the guy, but I, I do think that that's – I've heard that now from a couple people, including one last week, that that's the reason why he's not just full-time consistently in the NBA and playing.
1: And one thing with Grant and Amaral and even Jordan Bone, they're going to do really well just talking to franchises. Yeah. They're going to come across as – If
0: you can hear Bone
1: speaking. <laughs> right. And, 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 I mean, Grant's got to show he can shoot. He's got to extend his range a lot. He's got to become a lot more consistent uh, perimeter defender – uh, he's got to just be able to live on the on the wing if he has to uh, at the next level. Admiral's, uh, Admiral's really good at a lot of stuff, but can he be elite in certain areas that he has to be elite in? And with Jordan Bone, uh, he's one of those guys that, uh, kind of like Patrick's talking about potential, what's the upside here? You take him late in the draft, kind of stash him away, uh, and maybe he turns into something because obviously the way he's uh, projecting, he's he just keeps playing his best basketball, what he did his junior year. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. That that big of a leap. Can he keep making that leap, and can he do it at the next level? But but when these guys talk to franchises, when they interview, when they get to know these teams, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna impress people just because of the way they talk.
0: And I have heard, by the way, regarding Bone, there have been uh, I've heard specifically from two people who have asked questions about how he would do if he had to go to the G League for a bit. So that to me is a pretty good indicator that at least some teams see him as a guy that they wouldn't mind drafting, but that they are going to go kind of ship uh, right. to the G League for and, a couple of years, have him be a two-way player or something like that. And
1: he, he's got to be open to that because he's yes. the guy that, based on what everybody says, he wants to t- go pro. He's not yeah. – he doesn't see – he left that door open when he announced it, that he could come back to Tennessee. Uh, but that just felt like he was kind of protecting himself. He didn't want to be too – uh, straightforward in that uh, that announcement video that he put out, whatever it was, a couple of months ago. But he's not a guy that's all over these mock drafts. He's kind of lucky if he's yeah. one of the last five, six picks in the draft based on uh, a lot of these that we've seen. So he's getting that same feedback himself. He's doing as much homework as anybody else on where he could go or, or what could happen. He's got to be open to uh, Europe, whatever, uh, G League, w- whatever the. It would be whatever a shame. Happens. If you want to turn pro, you have to be open to all the options and, when you're in his shoes. And, shoe. and, and it,
0: it would be a shame in his situation if he did, if he was just insistent on going pro right now, right now, right now. And then did, he did have to go to, say, Europe for a couple of years. I mean, that's his decision. That's his life. But I, I would consider that unfortunate because I'm not going to ever. Say someone getting deciding to get paid money to, to do something they love to do is, is wrong, but you know, I, I've always been a little bit taken aback by his insistence that he has to go because if I were him, I would at least leave part of the door open. If you don't hear your name in the NBA draft, there is absolutely nothing wrong with coming back for another year, but if he doesn't want to do that, he doesn't want
2: to do it. Yeah, that. but like Grant said, I mean, if if he's if he went into this knowing that come hell or I water, I'm, I'm I'm turning pro, I'm going to get paid to play basketball. Then he has to know that, that, that there's other alternative options, uh, in case you don't get drafted. And and frankly, I, some people will say, "Oh, well, if you're not playing the NBA, what you know, what are you doing?" But there's you, know, you can make great money playing in Europe. Uh, you mentioned being a two-way, tax-free uh, two-way guy un- in, in the yeah. G League. That's that's not a bad gig for a lot of guys. I think a lot of teams have. Uh, I think there's two roster spots for those. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they've changed it now to where a lot of the G League teams are pretty close to the to the parent team, and so there's a lot of going back and forth. Like guys mm-hmm. will be called up you know for 24 hours and go back down and so um you know if you if you get called up to the you know to be on an active roster for an NBA game you might get in at the end of a game you know things like that you know that's you know it's not the worst thing in the world so and, and I don't you know if he doesn't get drafted and uh, there, I'm sure there are a lot of people that will wonder why he, if he if he chooses not to come back if he doesn't get drafted that you know why wouldn't he do that but uh, I mean this is his decision it's you know it's his life it's it's what he wants to do we don't we don't know all the details. No. We, don't know, we don't know what advice he's getting. We don't know um, what's going through his mind. And so I, I've never quite frankly understood why people sometimes question some of these draft decisions, both in the NBA and in the NFL. I mean, these guys, you know, it's, it's, it's their decisions. Was, so we don't know everything. I, I just, and so, I, I'm
0: wondering about it. I'm not really sure. And Pat goes, I don't know why people are questioning.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, we, we, we don't know. I mean, uh, if you were in your situation where even you could go, you know, overseas and make good money. I mean, Kevin Punter's making a great name for himself over oh, and yeah. over and uh and your chris lofton's made how much money playing basketball over yeah and, and uh, wayne jism so i mean how many countries is he play in and yeah, teams and, and he and played I, for? i've
0: sp- spoken with jarnell stokes twice in the past month yeah, and he's guy. making good money in china and he's been tearing it up he tore it up in the in the china yeah, basketball league mean, finals so i mean you're gonna
2: you're gonna play basketball it's it's not you know it's not the nba but it's you know it's a high level of ball over there and uh if you it's it's like it's like the NFL. If you go over to Europe, out if you go undrafted and you end up going out of Europe, going over to Europe or in the G League and you're doing well, the NBA will find you and you'll you know, right. you'll get a chance. C.J. You know, Watson, you know, did countless it. countless examples of that happening.
1: I mean, it's you're right. You never know who's in his ear, where the pressure is coming from. If, it's, if this is just something that he set his mind to that he wants to do, maybe it's not advice from somebody else. Maybe it's just what he wants to do. You don't you don't know that situation unless you're involved in it. Obviously, we're not uh, involved in it. Uh, if Grant doesn't come back. My thing with Jordan is just based on how well he played as a junior, it would be hard for his stock to go up a ton, especially with Josiah James coming in and being a guy that's going to get his minutes at point guard and wants to play point guard. Uh, I know he's listed as a combo guard, and he has been most of his the time he was recruited, but he wants to play point. And it would be hard to get his share of minutes uh, to split those two because those are two really talented guys uh, at the same position. If Grant's not back, then obviously – that's a bigger void to fill scoring-wise and production-wise that maybe Jordan Bone could do that. Um, but like Patrick said, there's so many different ways to make a living in this game, and there's so many different examples just from Tennessee that you can go from, the, the Wayne Chisholm's, Jarnell Stokes, Josh Richardson's, um, who we live in now, uh, Kevin Plunner. I mean, he, yeah. he started his ascent under Rick Barnes, yeah. and he has taken it to a completely different level. Uh, playing Champions League basketball in Italy. We need to get uh, him on the pod and be an MVP. And you know, how about we could get him on the you pod? You got to get the 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 censor button ready in case he drops any of those uh, curse words that used to piss off <laughs> Tennessee during <laughs> yeah. post game press conferences. But the, I mean, he's, the kid's honest. So
0: <laughs> the one after the one after the the Butler game. The Butler game was down thirteen. That was I'll or
1: whatever. It was. I, I'm
0: trying to think of the most politi- of the most family friendly way to say this. Uh, Butler had a player. I Forget which one of those. I, I, for lack of a better word, one of those Butler white boys who hit a bunch of three-pointers, and he hit, um, you know, he had probably 13, 16 points or something in the first half, hit a bunch of threes, and then he hit one very early in the second half, and
1: <laughs> we asked Kevin Punter about that after a game, and he goes. The question was like, what were you thinking well, down 13 or yeah, something?
0: Yeah, d- what were you thinking down 13, and that guy hits another three coming out of the gates? He goes, I was thinking, G-
1: GD. GD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just saw, you saw the light flash before Tom Koviak's eyes. Was, that's I mean, if, if you don't want the Bronx coming at you, don't ask. And of course, it immediately got tweeted and <laughs>
1: yeah. that went over well. Oh, ben,
0: with Ben Fredrickson did.
1: But, but, I mean, there's, you can be a Kevin punter. You can be a, a, a Jordan McRae who bounces back and forth. You can be a Wayne Chisholm who plays in Istanbul and Turkey and Italy and Greece. Vietnam. And uh, the Philippines and Vietnam and just does a world tour. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to make a living. Uh, it's just a, you have to find which one's going to work for you and, and do it. And, and we do need to mention
0: this. We've mentioned this a little bit, but the bottom line, and I, I think we've all agreed that if, if Jordan Bone goes pro, that hurts Tennessee. But you have Lamonte Turner, you have Josiah Jordan James, you have Jordan Bowden, you have guys who can play that spot who can give you good minutes and can play at a high level. Yeah, I would
2: think the bigger concern is you're losing Grant. Admiral. That
0: is the concern is. And if you're, if you're losing Grant Williams, to me, I think it's really easy to sit there and say, okay, you look at this 18 points or whatever it is per game that
2: you're just taking out of the lineup. Boom, just like that. Well, it's more than that. Is, yeah, 19. No, no, I'm just saying like his impact is, is more than whatever that's, the stats say. That's what I'm
0: saying, yeah, because what, what hurts I think the most or people don't think about is that it's not just the number of points Grant Williams scores; it's the way in which he scores them. You think
2: you and t- when he scores them,
0: you think about a guy who how many times in the past couple of years and big moments are, are are true. But what I was getting at was how many times w- would there be situations where you know someone you get you get into the SEC season you get teams who know you. You get teams who know your stuff. They know what you're doing. They know what you want to do. They know everything. When you zig, they know how to zag. And you re- you get into a lot of those kind of bunker battles, those stalemate kind of games. And how many times has Tennessee just said, screw it, gotten the ball to Grant Williams, and he finds a way to get two points? That is going – and that steadies the ship. How many times has Grant Williams, when the other team goes on a 6-0, 7-0, 8-0 run, gone up there and boom, just said, give me the ball, clear out, I'm going to take this guy to the rack and I'm going to get two points or three points with an and one. He does. He's done that so many times that you just forget it's not the number of points he scores, it's, the, it's when he scores them, which is in clutch situations, and when you need a rally stopped. And then not to say anything about his defense, the way that he, for a lot of times early in his career, he wasn't as good there. I mean, I laughed. I laughed when he got put on the – uh the, the midseason like defensive player of the year list because I said, yeah he blocks shots, but there's times where he's one of the worst defenders on the floor but his 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 final year especially down the stretch he took it to another level defensively you know that the the big kid the seven three kid from Purdue killed Tennessee early on mm-hmm. and then Grant Williams said, hold on, I got this now and he started checking him and that's when Edwards had to start scoring and that's when Klein had to start scoring because <laughs> He took Haas, in a lot of ways, out of the game. And despite being a six-six guy guarding a seven-three guy, I mean, he does so many things. I'm not saying Tennessee's just screwed because I think right. highly of Rick Barnes as a coach. I think everyone at this table does. And I think we've seen this guy work miracles before. So I think Tennessee will be competitive. And I could find you a lot of teams that are pretty good, that have a much worse backcourt trio, than Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bowden, and Josiah Jordan-James. I can think of good ranked teams that don't have three good guards of that caliber. But if you throw Grant Williams out of that, I think you go into the season at, as, at best as a fringe top 25 team, probably going into the season. I think that's probably, they. out of respect, they'd probably be ranked in between 20
1: and 25. And, and let's be honest, when you're voting at that point, you're just throwing teams uh, against the wall. And seeing if something sticks. Yeah.
2: We have a special guest here the podcast. Has Gary come out to play? Gary has come out have to play. Have you ever
0: in your life seen a larger groundhog? He, that, he, he always
2: comes out when I'm over here. I don't think that's Gary.
1: He's exited the murder shit.
2: You're right. That's not Gary. That's that's Gary's little that's one of son Ga- or wife. That That's either... his concubines. That's
0: either Garina <laughs> or Gary Jr.
1: One of the Gary Juniors. So, yeah. That, but But that's... I mean, what you're replacing is only the third... Since his first-team All-American in program history, Mm -hmm. a dude that's going to have his jersey retired as soon as he can be there for the ceremony. Yes. Uh, The first two-time back-to-back SEC player of the year since Corliss Williamson 25 years ago. Um, And that's
0: the NBA comp I have for Grant Williams, by the way. And the points. Corliss Williamson.
1: The points, rebounds, block shots, all that stuff. Uh, But, yeah, what you're talking about is all those biggest moments where he took over. Uh, I mean, that, that dunk against Purdue with eight seconds left in regulation, that was like almost like an afterthought just because that's kind of what Grant does. I mean, that looked like a design play, like Lamonte going high off the glass uh, and Grant just falling with that dunk to, I guess that was to put them ahead or uh, put yeah. them up by three. That was, or, to, put, or that was to put them up by, uh, by two, uh, by and two. Then the foul shots in yeah. overtime. But I mean, the, the corner three against Kentucky in the SEC tournament, semifinals, uh, I mean, all those times he would spin down the lane. Uh, and find a way to score when Miss, they had to have a yeah. bucket. Uh, yeah, the old Miss play. I mean, those moments, you're going to have to find the guy that steps up in those moments going forward. And and he, they can reinvent a team, obviously, but you just haven't had to see it yet without Grant Williams uh, during the Rick Barnes era. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, that puts a lot um, – that that puts a whole lot on the backcourt. Uh, because, and and we know that guys like DJ Burns, they got to come to play. John Fulkerson's got to take his game to another level. He's got to be more consistent. Uh, there's some, you know, you're going to have to find, uh, maybe you have to toss Drew Pember into the mix and say, can you go in there and and do some things? I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way now, but I think you're talking about obviously a more backcourt oriented team at that point. Uh, And I'll, I'll say it again. I have seen teams with worse backcourts win a bunch of games and I I think that it it allows the opportunity for a couple things. One, you get to make this Lamonte Turner's team. He he is he's your dog now. He's been kind of your alpha. Now he's your main alpha. He is, without question, the guy who's going to set the tone on this team, kind of like the way Punter set the tone a few years ago. He's going to have to do that. Uh, and also, what you're going to see now, and I think you're capable of seeing this. I think this kid is capable of this. Jordan Bowden now has to go from being more of a Robin character to, to more of a Batman character. He has got to use all that ridiculous offensive skill he has, and he's got to use it consistently. He's got to be more assertive. He's got to be more aggressive. Uh, he's got to go out there. He has got, if Grant Williams doesn't come back, Jordan Bowden has to score 15 points a game. I think a minimum. He has to. I think he and Lamonte Turner both have to score at least fifteen, sixteen points a game if this team wants to be successful. Because it's going to have some struggles defensively in the front court. Uh, it's going to have to score some points to win. If you're going to be backcourt oriented, you're going to have to press and force a lot of turnovers and hit a lot of three pointers, or you're going to have to you're going to, have to score a lot of points. And I think Bowden is capable of doing that. The question is, will Jordan Bowden be able to read the room, see the situation, assess it, and say? Well, it's on me now. You know, if, it's, if, if what, what's that old saying? If it's going to be, it starts with me. Like he's going to have to believe that now because this, he's going to have to do it.
1: Yeah, and and that's just like one of like a hundred questions that you have when you try to start putting this roster together without, yeah. uh, if they have to put it together without Grant Williams, how they do it? Uh, how much can DJ Burns produce right away? Uh, how good can he be offensively? How consistent can he be defensively? What can he provide in the post? Do they go to the grad transfer market and try to fire – or just the transfer market and try to find another big – Got to. Got to. I think they will. They have to. They don't really have a choice. Because um, Derek Walker's gone too. Right, and you want Josiah to be super productive and be the five-star player that he's been built the last four years.
0: Including more of a scorer than he wants to be probably. But you
1: also don't want him to be so productive that he's a one-and-done first-round guy uh, sitting here this time next year because you're getting ready to have a really huge 2020 class – potentially with uh, starting with Corey Walker and there's a bunch of other big names on their board. Um, but that's just... And, and and they've gotten here with these three-star players and developing them. Now, how yeah. do they d- develop an elite talent like Josiah and these five-star guys like Corey coming down the, the pipe? Uh, those those are just... I mean, we can do a whole different podcast. And, Bur- and Burns, too. I mean, this is a guy right, who, who Right, four-star, basically fringe top 100 player. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole separate podcast on just kind of how you start putting these pieces together looking for
0: which is probably what we will do next week when uh if grant williams decides to to go now we'll do that uh that would be just a, a me and pat special probably because grant ramey will be on vacation nice timing there and yeah thanks and and so yeah th- there's there's a lot that we'll have to parse there, and we'll do that. But there's a couple more things we need to discuss quickly before we get out of here. One, Derek Walker has announced his decision. He and Gary, the groundhog in my backyard, are going to go to the University of Nebraska. So uh, congratulations to uh, Derek Walker. He's going to go play for the for the mayor, Fred Hoiberg.
1: It's a nice uh, landing spot.
0: Yeah, it is. And and I he's think he's from Kansas City, right? Yeah, he is. he is. That's a spot for him that's close to home. That's a spot where he's going to play for. He's going from one excellent basketball coach to another excellent basketball coach. Uh, this is a guy who
1: one full arena to another full arena. Yeah, I
0: mean they they do a. People don't know that they they have a really nice setting one there. One football in Nebraska. program
1: dreaming of better days to one football program yeah.
0: dreaming of better days. I, it's it's almost like there's a pattern there. Uh, but yeah, I don't think people know that Nebraska basketball. Nebraska ball does a great job yeah. filling
1: that arena. Tell, I mean they're not they've not been very good mostly. They're, they're really good in attendance numbers. Yeah,
0: it's
2: so is it so Creighton too. Yeah, it's not, it's almost right. like it's that's, almost like there's nothing else to do in yeah, that state. I was about to say there's nothing else to do in winter in Nebraska. Yeah,
0: almost, it's almost like you could you could say that. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's good for him. Grant, any thoughts on on uh, Derek Walker's departure? I and, think and landing spot. I, I mean, say? when
2: you
1: look at the stats, when you look at the numbers at the end of a season after a couple seasons, and you see a guy putting up the numbers that Derek put up, you you start to wonder why is he sticking around? Is he going to stick around? He would have had a much bigger role going forward just out of Uh, need. If there's no Grant Williams, obviously they need help in the post. Derek would be a guy that would get some of those minutes. But when you look at the opportunities he's been given the first two years, obviously had players playing in front of him, but something wasn't working there. Uh, There was something not meshing between him and this coaching staff or whatever. It just wasn't working. And when it's not working like that, Rick Barnes is going to be pretty honest in his assessment. And I think it was a mutual, you know, maybe a, maybe a fresh start to Best for both Tennessee and Derek Walker, and, and
0: obviously Nebraska would, was willing to right. pay, and, was was willing to pay he, the buyout. And he
1: goes, <laughs> oh, <ouch. laughs> oh, come on! And he goes to a really interesting. He, he lands on his feet. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, Nebraska is a very interesting program right now with uh, Fred Hoiberg. I thought that yeah. was a really, really good hire, and I think he'll make that into a really uh, tough program to face night in and night out. And and going into March, just based on what he did at Iowa State. Uh, so maybe it, maybe it does work. And, and then Tennessee gets uh, – uh, I'll let you pronounce his name since you're the host.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, the one thing about Derek Walker is is he is – before we talk about the the, the new crute, uh is, is I think the one thing people probably don't know about Derek Walker that they should know is that he's a really sharp kid. Uh, he's a really smart kid. He picks up things quickly. He understands basketball. Uh, He's a good communicator on the back end defensively. Um, And it's kind of funny because he he has that look in his face, especially when he had that old haircut. He looks like a guy who consistently was just given a pop quiz that he did not in any way prepare for. Uh, He just kind of always had that look about him like, wait, what? But that's a really sharp kid, and uh, he's a guy who I think could pick up things pretty quickly and could have a, a nice career at Nebraska and playing in a really, really, really good league too. Uh, So congratulations for him, I think, as far as landing spots go. That's a really good one. Uh, Also want to mention that since we talked about all that backcourt, this is something we're going to talk about next week too, if Grant Williams declares. Uh, It could now be the era of Jalen Johnson finally. This is a guy who uh, is a really, really, really exciting offensive prospect, Uh, maybe the most talented offensive player on the team in terms of his ability to score in different ways. Uh, And he's a guy who, if he has a nice offseason, I think – Uh, with Admiral Schofield gone could finally have an opportunity to step up and and be a guy where they don't have to say Jordan Bowden you're the three you have to be the three because there is no other three Jalen Johnson can play that spot too Uh, and I think he could have a a nice nice year before we get out of here though we do need to mention that uh, since I was gone last weekend that is my mistake my uh, best friend got married up in Brooklyn I was out of town but uh, also I should say congratulations Juan proud of you buddy love you love you hermano but we didn't get to talk about this last week. Tennessee does have a new basketball commitment. Uh Signee, and, uh, signee, that's right, signee, signee. Olivier Robinson, Kemwa, is that what we're going with? Kemwa, Kemua, Big O, Kemua, Kemwa, Kemwa. Basically, uh, Godspeed
2: to Bob Castle. Yeah,
0: b- Godspeed, Bob. He is. He is from Finland. Uh Played his. High school basketball finishes high school career there at uh, Bishop Walsh School there in Cumberland, Maryland. That's a good program, plays a lot of other good programs uh, around there in the Beltway. So uh, that's a big, big addition uh, for Tennessee, I think. If you're going to need, you know, th- there's no secret there that Tennessee now, maybe at the power forward spot, uh, is going to have a lot to replace. And uh, this is a kid coming in, uh, six foot eight, 210 pounds. We have him, or the composite has him. Uh, 111 overall nationally, 19th rated power forward, second-best prospect in Maryland. I think there are some sites who have him ranked uh, a little bit higher than that. So this is a guy who, um, I, I, depending on who you're talking to, this is either a long-term prospect uh, or a guy who could come in and do some things right away. But either way, this there's, there seems to be a consensus that this is a good prospect.
1: Yeah, I think he could do stuff right away. Uh, he's skilled. um He kind of flew under the radar a little bit. When he got to the States at his first school in Maryland, he broke his leg, uh, and that cost him most of his junior season. That'll do it. He broke a – wasn't really a major – it was more of like a smaller bone break, something the way his coach described it. And so he was like in the 350s as of like three weeks ago. Uh, And then – but Rick Barnes saw him uh, I think January, February. As soon as he saw him, he offered him, he loved him. Uh, he's a he's a versatile kid. Uh, can go out on the perimeter and do that stuff. Can play inside a little bit. Uh, his coach, when I talked to him, kind of compared him to Ben Simmons as can can be a big that can uh, get the ball off the rim and take it up the floor. Uh, and he's just he's grown a ton over the last year since he's got back from that. But yeah, he he I guess he got a Tennessee bump, uh, quote unquote, to, yeah. to go up from like 350. Ball's bump ended at like 150 something in our rankings and 111 in the composite, which is a, a four star. Uh, pretty big kid, so it's a good signing for him, and he fills that spot uh, left by Derek, and, and it's good for both parties.
0: And and if, if you view Drew Pember as a guy who, no matter what the situation is, he's going to need a year to get bigger and stronger and develop, uh, this gives him a little bit more freedom, a little bit more space to do that. Uh, this gives you two options where you get these two big kids on campus and you get a chance to have them compete against each other, you know, compete against your other big guys there. You know, have guys like Fulkerson take them under their wing. Um, you know, I would say have DJ Burns take them under the wing, but he's the same age as them. He's just been on campus for a year. He just because he skipped his senior season of high school. But you know, between that, I think now you've got three young, eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old big men who have a chance to give you something going forward. And, you know, if, if you don't know, if you don't have one certain thing, at least have three or four potential things that you can throw out there and see kind of what cream rises. Be, because I, I think this is a guy who gives them another big. I think they do need to go get another one, though, if Grant Williams goes. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to discuss that going forward. But is there anyone here who thinks in, at this table who thinks Tennessee doesn't really, really need to go get um, kind of a grad transfer, JUCO, big man type
2: if Grant Williams goes? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we saw with uh, Kentucky went out and got Re' Travis. He brought something good to their team. Yeah, um, some age that they don't have with, didn't have without him. Yeah, I, I don't think he was a superstar, but a really solid player that you can you know you can throw the ball down in the post, get some baskets, bring you some toughness, play some good interior defense. If you can, uh, if you can get that, it seems like they like skilled big men though. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, they do, and and they're not. I don't I don't think in a million years they're gonna carry Blackshear. From Virginia Tech, I think he still might go to the NBA. If he doesn't, he's going to be the number one transfer uh, on the market and a team like Kentucky and he's others. At the, he's at the top of the portal. Yeah, he he's the number one <laughs> guy on the, 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 the portal big board. Uh, but the name that's portal, been out there... Portal superstar. Right, the name that's been out there for a couple of weeks is the, the Arizona State kid, uh, Euros Plavzic, the the 240. Poor Bob Kessling. Uh, yeah, that's another RIP Bob Kessling yeah. uh, during the game broadcast. But that's a guy that... You know, he, he came to Chattanooga for a year and went to Hamilton Heights when he came to America from Serbia. Uh, he's a Serbian skilled big man, almost 7 1, put on like 25 pounds at Arizona State during his freshman season. And he was there because of an assistant coach who used to be a GA at Tennessee under Barnes. So there's a ton of connections there. If, uh, I think that will end up happening. Uh, that would be a huge addition for them because you need that kind of size and skill uh, right away. Is
2: he, is he like the next Jokic? He might be the next year Yeah and and, and PSA no, I've never Jokic. seen him nutmeg anybody though. No, Jokic is a he's a unicorn man. And
0: and, and PSA uh Grant, a lot of dudes like that, right? Grant Ramey's favorite soccer team, Crystal Palace, uh, the fighting crystals. Uh their captain is from Serbia. And the chant is he's from Serbia, he'll freaking murder you. So you could bring that over to the stage too. Get it started. Get it started. That's a big guy. That's seven foot one and every bit of that too. That's a
1: you can't coach seven foot one. I think that's the old saying.
0: That's true. Well, I mean, you'd like to coach it, wouldn't you? In theory. Well, you couldn't coach anything anyway. Neither could I. Maybe Pat, could you coach? Coach you, what? Coach my children. Anything.
2: Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I hope to coach my future children one day.
0: And and are you just gonna be like I'll, the basketball coach guy?
2: I'll uh, I'll
0: I'll coach whatever they play. I'll make it work i am ai am ai am ba- I was a, a baseball coach in my, uh...
2: So we've heard. Yeah.
1: This is uh, me. Hang on. This is me rolling my eyes. How many... Into the microphone. How, how many former Little
0: Leaguers under your tutelage are, are in a Major League Baseball uh, right now? Because I've got right now two. So right. well,
2: taste it. it taste well, it. While y'all were talking about second round picks, I looked at some lists of like best second round picks ever. And there's one that included, uh, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yes. Hold Ooh. on. Oh. Uh, Manu Ginobili. Ooh. Gilbert Arenas.
1: Agent, Agent Zero.
2: I wasn't a guest. Gilbert. Uh, and, and Grant's boy, Mark Price. Oh, yeah.
1: Ooh. I almost wore my Mark Price shirt today.
2: Instead, you're wearing the Royal Rumble shirt today. Lex Luger. And, and one of them actually was Paul Millsap, too, who is a I, – I think he's like my go-to comparison for all, like, undersized power forwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Millsap corollary. Uh, Millsap uh, actually played for Steve Forbes at Louisiana Tech back in the day. Um, can do a little bit of everything. Score in the post, hit threes. I like it. Does everything decent. I think that's what maybe Grant Williams can't do. Although Millsap was an All Star, so I don't know. If, I don't know if Grant's got that in his bag, but he might.
0: I think Paul Millsap's a good place to end it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, our Friday Football Friday episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, you can find us on GoVols247.com. Got a lot of good specials going on as always. Thirty percent off annual subscription. Can't beat that with a stick can't beat that with a stick you can also find us on social media i'm westrucker 247 on twitter patrick brown is p brown 247 on twitter grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter ryan callahan who fortunately for all of us is not here, is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter you can find all of us on the staff account if you just want the facts just the facts ma'am just the facts sir you can get those at twitter.com slash 247 24 7 or at facebook.com slash 247 where we've got a lot of good stuff there on our Facebook page. Do a lot of work there. A lot of these two guys at this table, actually, Grant and Patrick are the two primarily responsible for that now, and they do a bang-up job. Pat, any final thoughts? No.